0: In today's podcast, we feature an episode from ZK Live with Zach Kenny. In this episode, Zach talks with Jason the Painter about how he has been able to establish a one-man operation and find tremendous success.
1: Jason, yeah, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm turning my volume up.
2: This is the 100th episode, and who better to have
1: than the unique weirdo painter... This is your hundredth episode. Yes, it is. So you're starting a new series, scraping the paint can with Zach Kenny, where we highlight the nation's most meh painters. You should just quit this and get into marketing and branding. I, I like doing what I do. You do.
2: You do like what you're doing. And I was watching your story today, dude. And I watch your stories all the time. Good for you. First of all,
1: what was my story today? Well, I, I saw today.
2: To it. it was from yesterday, probably.
1: Oh, my boring word slides.
2: Yeah, the word slides, where you were you were saying that you're booked for quite a while, and that you are honing down your niche even more, saying no to more people.
1: It's fun to say no, isn't it? Um, part of it. It's it's so nuanced. Um, like the, people. Oftentimes, they say really nice things in, when they reach out to me. And then I'm like, dang it. And I, I'll even, like, Google some of their addresses, and it's, like, a really neat old house. And I'm like, dang it. And then I have to uh, let them know. Um, so I do honestly get bummed. But um, there there is absolutely an element of ease. Like, I'm comfortable saying no. It, it, I don't stress about it at all. And I like that feeling. So...
2: Yeah, because you, unlike, I would say you have one of the strongest constitutions and, like, or let's say visions for what you're
1: doing, right? You oh, know been, what you I've like. been faking it until, like, four days ago. I don't, so I don't know what you're talking about. You're doing what you want to do. Well, that's true. Right?
2: Like, probably more than most business owners that I know, you are doing pretty much exactly what you want to do. Is that right? Uh, I, feel, I, I feel that way, yes.
1: I don't feel like I want to do something else.
2: Yeah. And and you are doing this, starting a painting company and painting for people your way.
1: I mean, the paint still goes on the walls, you know. So it's not that different than other people's way.
2: Mm, I would just, I mean, okay, so the application of paint. At a high level is there the passion is there those are those are definitely not unique all right um but the way you've been able to position yourself early in business to get great clients who pay you well to do what you do that is fairly
1: unique Cool. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm at compared to anyone else. I feel like I've I mean I like what I'm doing. I feel like I've forest gumped my way into it, is what I say. So
2: let's so let, let's start then. Let's go backwards. No, let's start with what do you what does your company look like today? And then let's go back to how did we get here?
1: Uh what does my company look like today? Well, my company is me. You're looking at it. Um I don't know. It's me and my van. <laughs> I go to houses and I paint them. And uh, and it's super. And I share little snippets on Instagram and people follow along with that for some reason. And um, that seems to be a little bit of an engine that um, keeps people hitting me up. And it seems to uh, kind of feed itself into being a, a relatively like specific type of painting, which is cool. I don't get a whole lot of eyeball requests um, because people watch what I do on Instagram. So they get an idea of what I do and it triggers people and they're like, oh, well we want to do that sort of thing too. So then I go do their job and then people see that. And it just, it's like, I just kind of keep doing similar-ish sort of things. Um, so that's that's been really nice. And I've, uh, been sort of honing in on how far I drive from home. I mean, the first year I was kind of going, you know, wherever you get a job, you go, you you do that job. But now that things have gotten a bit busier and I've been able to focus some stuff with a little bit of uh, targeted uh, Instagram marketing, um, I, I tend to get calls from a reasonably local area. And now I, I just don't even, I don't go farther than 15 minutes from home. That's kind of the, the current I don't go farther than that. That's true. Or other painters.
2: And you are you're you're charging a a, fair, a pretty fair hourly rate at this point,
1: right? Are you comfortable sharing that? Uh, yeah. Because Nick keeps telling me I should. Thanks, Nick Slavic, for <laughs> for pushing me. And he still tells me I'm charging too little, but that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, hundred bucks an hour, eight hundred bucks a day, basically, plus materials. You know that gets me and all my fancy tools, and and that uh, that gets it done. That's that's typically how I I bid things, and that's about what it comes out to. And
2: and so that, okay, so that's that is that's pretty impressive, right? There's a there's a large demographic. You may not know this, but there's a large demographic of passionate craftspeople in this country who work alone or with one other guy. Yeah, who wish. The, who would it would be a pipe dream to charge a hundred dollars an hour yeah I'm just, I'm just saying
1: that so blew, oh it blew my mind too i didn't i didn't get into this anticipating that was a possibility but um you know I was just sort of naturally uh creeping rates up from sixty five which is way more than I was making you know in the music industry before uh you know sixty five to seventy five to 85 and Slavic. <laughs> Slavic is just, I, I think there was one big job that I got and I hit Nick up because I don't know. I have nobody else to tell about it. Uh, I'm sure everybody who's watching knows who Nick Slavic is, right? Like, we don't have to explain that. Great. And I hit him up. <laughs> yeah, that guy's hilarious. Um, he was like, the first thing he said was like pretty congratulatory. Like, he was definitely, but then he's like, man, you got to be charging more. And I'm like, this is the biggest thing I've ever done. And your, like, pretty much immediate response is like, you're not charging enough, dude. Like, all right. But then once I got booked out, like, four months, I mean, I was, you know, it started out being booked out three to five weeks, five to eight weeks, you know, seven to ten weeks, two months, two to three months, you know. And then once it was, like, three to four months and that was the deal, I kind of figured, like, if I went the next two months and every single job I looked at, I didn't get, I just I overpriced it and I didn't get it. If I went the next two months, that'd be fine. It really wouldn't be a big deal. I would get whittled down to being booked out two months. I'd have no jobs after that. And then I would, I would tether myself back to reality and start booking out again. No big deal. So that was, uh, that was what I did. And it just seemed like the farther out I booked the more I could charge, like it just, it kind of just kept going. But you know what, now that I've gotten into that and I've been doing those kind of projects, I understand it because there are a lot of really nice old homes, which is kind of what I'm starting to do more of. And man, they need a lot of work and the work that they need is pretty involved, pretty specialty, like I've got some pretty darn nice tools Um, to truck away at stuff, but I guess, like, when I just see the paint jobs that I encounter, when I see what the standard is in so many of these houses, the standard is pretty pathetic. So, I guess that said, if people are paying pretty decent money for a pathetic paint job, eh, pay a little more for a really good one, dude. It's
2: it all sounds so easy, but you have. I, I, on accident stumbled into this amazing thing. I, you know, it, it sounds like it's not like the day you started, you had this grand plan to get to hundred an hour.
1: I did not. That was not the plan at all. I didn't know what I was getting into. I just wanted to make a decent living because I just, I, I just wanted a job that I could just like count on and I can do this and I can be cool with it and make decent money. And like, that was the plan. Like get me the hell out of the freaking music business And just get me on something else that I can just count on. That was the plan. And, um, it escalated.
2: And I have, I think I know what the answer was, but what was the lead driver to that escalation?
1: Oh, Instagram, hundred percent. I love to hear that because that's been my experience as well.
2: My life would be very different if Instagram didn't exist
1: that's where literally everything I do comes from very very occasionally someone will hit me up because they find me on the internet um or they'll see my van and those are people who literally don't know anything about me like they've just seen my contact information basically and that I'm a painter and have explored uh none further so I'll get what were we talking about (laughs) The, the, the
2: inception, like how did you get to 100 an hour? Because there's a lot of people, I, I know, I, I talk to painters all the time. There's a lot of people who love the painting business, love painting, like you yeah. do, who want to go out on their own, but struggle to get someone to pay them $40 an hour or $50 an hour. And I believe that what you did is what I tell people to do. And I just gave a talk on it last weekend, and I, I'm very passionate about it. It's Instagram right? That's marketing.
1: Yes, um, that's part of it. You have to have the uh, homeowners that exist near you that are willing to spend that kind of money on a paint job. You know, first, I happen to live smack dab in the middle of a very, very affluent part of town. I'm in a ninth floor apartment right now, Uh, outside my windows, I overlook a couple, there's like a chain of lakes that runs through Minneapolis and honest to goodness, I overlook all of these big, beautiful old homes. It's a very gorgeous part of town, I love all of these old homes, they're in every direction, it's dense, there's a thousand of them as far as I can see. So I've lived here for a little while and when I first started, my vision not knowing anything was to just be like, the Ashucks neighborhood painter but for this neighborhood and it was like well what does the Ashucks neighborhood painter look like in this neighborhood like i don't want to be some like ghostbusters looking paint team that's you know like you that has all the fancy you know line heaters on your guns and crazy stuff like that i just wanted to be like a like a painter you're you're changing your room and you want to paint this stuff you know I just thought I would be that, but for the very nice houses. So let's let's do a polished version of the offshucks oh neighborhood painter. And um I think Instagram has helped me like kind of get into that a little bit.
2: Yeah, it you you have a message and you're trying to get it out there, and Instagram is like an incredibly powerful way to do that.
1: Yeah very effective
2: um
1: oh yeah we were sorry we were talking about um people who struggle to do that with instagram yeah i mean honest to goodness it depends on where you live if you don't live in a big city that has a large amount of people with means it's going to be harder right if there are only a few dozen people where you live that drive (laughs) outies there's only so many like of those paint jobs available there's only so many people that can afford that sort of a thing like, there's there are so many people that will not hire a painter for almost any amount of money because it's it's just kind of a luxury item. But I don't know, when you are a person who has means, your life is luxury items. That's what you spend money on. You spend money on things that make you feel good. Um, and lucky for me is I like being detailed. So instead of just doing, uh you know, let's grab our, our white dove roller covers and our super paint and slap some some color on the wall and call it a day. I like futzing a little more. I'm a person who likes to take a power sander to a wall. I like to get in there with a side light and smooth some things out. I like to clean up the trim a little bit. Let's clean up the ceiling paint a little bit. Like I, I can't help but do the details. So you can charge money for that. And there are people that like that. There are people that like those details and having a beautiful paint job and they'll spend money on it because they have it and it makes them feel great. And it makes me feel great. So.
2: And it comes, it's, it came naturally to you. Like you're, you're describing to me something that it just, to you, it seems so no duh. But I talk to a lot of people who are in major markets who are struggling to get people to pay them. And, you know, and I think that you're, you're a great blueprint that people can follow of, you know, care, care about what you're doing. But what did you say? You said, I want to do a slightly polished-up version of The Neighborhood Painter. You, you thought about how you were going to be perceived and how your ideal client might want the experience to go.
1: Sure. You have to put yourself into their brain. You need to be an empathetic human being who can understand someone else's perspective, even with, when it goes against yours. You have to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and have an argument with yourself and win against yourself. I, you know, you know, you know what I mean by that? A hundred percent. That's that. I had this, I did the same mental
2: exercise that got me here when I took the shackles of what I could afford and who I would hire off. And I started thinking about who this, this target, my target market, what they think like, yeah, and how can I serve them and take my own, Perspective on the world and ignore it. Yeah. What you just said. We, if we we need a timestamp, what you just said about four minutes ago. Whoever's going to edit this later, go back for two or three minutes. Does this that get clip, edited
3: later?
1: <laughs> is is this a, is, is this are we recording right now?
2: <laughs> Somebody's going to take this and turn it into an audio file and post it. It will not be me. Oh. All right. Um. But. I I just it's so unique because you think this is all because it's you and you've done it so it's like yeah it's no duh. But it this is a very unique take on things. I just have to say that so because you you're not compromising quality, that's that's your number one thing right? Like number one thing. For work. Sure,
1: I don't. Uh, I'm not into cheap anything. I'm not into fast. I ugh. I just, I don't like it.
2: So, so, but you have this like really strong, like quality thing, right? That you're not going to compromise on, but you were, you did say, I will compromise on how I deliver that to give these people what they want. Right. You, you said this quality is going to be here, but my experience, I will be open to how that goes a little bit well you told me that
1: because you said i put myself in their heads sure i mean well i don't i I guess i don't necessarily like you need to have the ability to do that i'm not saying that i necessarily do go to battle with myself a whole lot like i i don't know i get so lucky with the people that i work for i work for the best homeowners like I, i was trying to think like a week or two ago i'm like man, who's like the worst homeowner I've worked for? And I, honest to goodness, like couldn't come up with one. Like they've all just been super easy. So I've never really had to, I don't know, do something, you know, weird or challenging or whatever, but I I do go there operating, you know, in their head and what they would want. And, you know, that's just, I guess that's just how I work. Some people are empathetic and some people are not as empathetic.
2: Okay, then that, that's the, that's what I'm getting at. How important the, the empathy part of business is.
1: Or also in life. Well,
2: <laughs> it, yes, it's an incredibly powerful tool in, in all of life. But especially in business, when you're trying to serve others and get other people to pay you, right? It's not about you. You, it's, you need somebody else to want to pay you. Sure. And so you have to be thinking outside of yourself, and I think that is a muscle that could be flexed more in the world.
1: <laughs> All over the world, yeah. So
2: how did you start? Let's go back. How did you start?
1: Painting? Yes. I, uh, I was in the music industry, and um, I did that for a good while. A number of facets and I quit uh, several times uh, and I kept getting sucked back in and I was uh, at the time the main thing that I was doing was um, I was an independent contractor for Paisley Park which is Prince's uh, studio complex in Chanhassen Minnesota uh, I was actually doing some work for Prince while he was still around And then uh, after he passed away, I was working for the estates, um, uh, just as an independent contractor, helping them with studio maintenance or special sessions or lots of archives stuff. Um, And I did that for a few years. And uh, it just, uh, ultimately, it just seemed like it was going to be a dead end. Like, that seemed like really my best possible thing to do in this freelance uh, music world, which is so fragmented and falling apart, and who knows what is gonna be. There's just not a whole lot happening, and it's really hard to, it's really hard to do, and the reward is almost nothing. So I really wanted to get out of that, and uh, my dad had a very successful uh, handyman business, that he really started like in his mid 40s, I think. Uh, he quit his job and started his business and did really, really well, and I worked for him plenty over the years, And uh, he was always like, uh, you know, there's always money in the handyman business. And I was always like, I know, Dad, it's it's not me. Um, (laughs) But uh, I don't know. I just hit a point where it's like, you know, I'm done. I just want to do something. And, like, I wasn't frustrated. I wasn't sad. I wasn't mad. I wasn't – I was just done. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something else. So I thought I'm going to do the handyman thing. I'm gonna do it my way, whatever that is, I'm gonna figure it out, I'm gonna do it in a way that I enjoy. And then maybe like a couple days later, I was on the internet. I don't remember what I was looking for. I was kind of researching and uh, I stumbled upon a Chris Berry video, an Idaho painter video. And this was like one of the first videos that he, one of the very early ones. (laughs) The production value was not what it is today. And I watched that one video and it just clicked for me. And I was like, wait a second. I don't have to be a handyman and like, God, replace toilets and fix rotted soffits and gutters and just all this crap that you do as a handyman. And I'm like, I could just be a painter. I could just be a painter. And I like painting. I've done plenty of painting. I mean, just, you know, handyman painting, but I liked it. I enjoyed it. So I thought, why don't I look into that? And I, I, did some Googling and was surprised by, you know, some rates that Google was telling me. And I asked some other people I knew, I kind of mentioned it. And I heard from like two or three people, they told me the same thing. They said, yeah, I know a painter, my brother-in-law's a painter, something like that. And they said, they can't find good help and they're booked out like crazy. And I thought, well, hey, unlike the music industry, (laughs) This sounds like uh, there's opportunity. This sounds like there's actually uh, work to be had. There's golden in their paint buckets, so I thought, shoot, I'm gonna do that. So it was January first, 2020. I I hopped on Facebook. I don't have Facebook anymore, but I did then, and I hopped on Facebook, and I had just finished cleaning up at the New Year at Paisley Park. We'd had a New Year's Eve party from. 2019 to 2020. And I went back on New Year's Day to clean up in the morning. And I went to a restaurant in Chanhassen called Hula Hands, And I hopped on Facebook. It was around noon. And I said, I am a painter now. <laughs> Literally from that, I booked a job finishing uh, trim in my buddy's recording studio that he was putting together. So I finished installing trim. And I painted that And uh, I've made very little money from that, but I didn't care. I'm like, let's do something. Let's start something. I bought more tools from that. Probably snagged like a dust extractor from that or something. My first DeWalt dust extractor and uh, just kind of started booking uh, little jobs, kind of buying some tools. And it was off to the races. And then COVID hit. Tremendous.
2: And then you flourished through COVID. So, yes, Kayla... This, is, this man was editing, and well, you were working hand-in-hand, in, hand in some ways, with Prince.
1: Hand-in-hand hand is not the
2: right way to put not it. Hand hand. <laughs> you were being told what to do, when to do
1: it, but you helped make Prince's music, correct? I mean, that is even a, 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 a bold way of putting it. But yeah, I was around, I set up for him, for sure. I, I facilitated his recording needs.
2: And now you paint beautiful houses. So th- what made you
1: go to Instagram? Um, I didn't know what I was doing. It just seemed like it was a thing to have, which I think uh, I, I would bet that a very large percentage of painting companies that are on Instagram are at that phase right now, where it's like, I don't know what to do with this, but I figure I ought to have it and they either don't post, they have it, and they posted three things and then haven't for six months, or they continue to post, but the content is completely useless. It is not visually interesting. It's just useless noise content. No offense to everybody who is seeing this, but that is um, what I've noticed with most painting companies is the vast majority of it is just completely useless, pointless content that is like, I feel like I should be uploading something. The things on the internet seem to say, post content, post content, post content. So here's a, here's a gif of me dipping a paintbrush into a bucket and it's like, I don't know. I don't know what this is doing, but. Here's the house
2: I painted. Painted this house is the caption.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, dude, what's the point? What are that, we doing so here? That will get you nowhere. That if, you're, if you want to actually be affected, like if you're just on Instagram and you're, lock, you're looking at other painters, do whatever, you know? But if you have an actual purpose, like you want to sell yourself, that will not do anything for you. That That is such useless content and actually it will drive people away from you because they'll look at your page and they will say, uh, wow, this is really boring content. This person does not understand attractive things. This is probably not my painter.
2: Yeah, so you, you're you self-taught on Instagram. You just started doing stuff and, and seeing how people reacted. What? When did you start to have a plan? Did you have a plan from the
1: beginning? No, I didn't know what I was doing. I stumbled my way into anything that's happened. Um, <laughs> I was sharing useless content Probably. Um, That said, I don't have like a whole lot of time. So, okay, so here's what happened. I was, um, right before COVID shut everything down, I was doing my first like big job. It was an entire unfinished basement. And I installed the doors, I installed the trim, painted, primed the drywall, painted the trim, painted the walls, painted the, did, did the whole, ba- I finished the unfinished basement. Um, and I don't know what inspired it, but I had to do a tricky little trim transition. There were like just two different sizes and it was just really that basic, you know, rectangular MDF trim, but connecting the two was wrong. It did not look right. And I was like, So I just found a piece of scrap wood and I cut, you know, like a little bar and I kind of chamfered the edges off like a little bit. And, uh, I made a little corner piece. I was, uh, less knowledgeable about trim carpentry at the time. Now I see those kinds of things all over the place. I don't know. Maybe I'd seen it before and it just occurred to me, I should make something that looks like that, but I made this little, corner piece of trim and you know primed it and put it in there and and I made I think I made maybe like a little one minute video of like that process of ooh transition what to do scrap wood cut cut you know bada bing bada boom and I probably made an ad from that and I probably got reactions from that and then once you get reactions from ads you kind of you know, gauge, you know, what's working and what's not and go from there.
2: Yeah, that, that was very similar to my story of not having a clue what I'm doing to, oh, this is a fun game. How can I get more people to follow me and more people to like this? Yeah. And, you know, let's play that game for a while. And then in my case, I was playing that game until someone said, why are you doing this? And I went, uh, I don't really know. And then it became like, okay, like I'm going to do this for revenue generating purposes and, you know, became much more intentional. Did that, did you ever have that or you you
1: were just. Well, I was, yeah, I was booking jobs jobs. mean, I made an ad and I was booking jobs. Yeah. I probably, I don't think I booked a job. Maybe I did actually, I might've booked a job for my very first ad or maybe it was my second, I remember like I ran an ad. And I, I only ever do like short runs. I call it a lemonade stand ad budget. I do $5 a day for seven days $35 less than a can of paint. I've never done an ad more. I think I did one for 10 days. I think I did like $150 ad. But otherwise, I just do seven day 35. I haven't done one in forever. But that's what I used to do and the first, like i didn't know how instagram like works so i didn't really like some people liked the stuff cool 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 but i didn't i didn't know about the blue message request thing like i wasn't super hip to messages it's not like i had a whole lot of followers i haven't really use instagram and then one day i'm looking at that and it was like you know the little blue thing was like seven message requests and i looked through there and some people had like hit me up for my ad and this was like a couple weeks later and i'm like damn it um so i followed up with some people um I don't remember if I booked a job from that or that might have been the click where it was like, run it again and, you know, don't sleep on this Miller, like get on it. But I, I pretty much start, started booking a job right away. And after that, I don't know how many times I've run ads, probably less than 10 total at this point, um, but I've never not booked a job from that.
2: So you think it just came innately that you realized like this content you were gonna put out needed to have a purpose and needed to be like have a clear message?
1: No, that didn't really occur to me for <laughs> a while. Like you, I mean, I, I, it was just, um, I think my style, you know, some people have a style on Instagram. When I think about that. I can think of a handful of painters I actually, honest to God, between you and me, and I guess whoever's watching this right now, I kind of want to do maybe over the winter when I'm doing this really long job, I kind of want to do Impression Day where I'm going to be yeah. like, I'm going to be Zach Kenny, or I'm going to be Nick Slavic, <laughs> and I'm going to format my Instagram because everybody has like their own voice and yeah. their way of doing things. Um, Joe Finch. It took Joe- me a while to actually be. I think like cognizant about that. I was kind of just doing my thing. I don't know. I like to just kind of, you know, poke at things or I don't know. What do I do on Instagram? I can't even think about it right now. But I, I just I just do what I do. And then I think at one point, maybe almost about a year into doing it, I, it occurred to me consciously, like, I understand what I'm doing and what people are into and I understand how to kind of stay in my lane. Maybe also be, you know, maybe also step out of my lane every once in a while just to screw around, but um, I don't know. And I I started getting a lot of feedback from people. Like at this point, probably a few dozen strangers have reached out to me uh, over the course of this and they've told me, I'm paraphrasing more or less, like I think one person pretty much said, I don't give a shit about painting. But I can't not watch this every single day. And it's like, all right, well, it you know, it strikes something with with somebody. So we'll just keep doing it.
2: And, I mean, I think what you're doing at this point is exactly what I teach in my class and what people with successful social medias are doing. You are just documenting what you're doing already, right? Like, you don't put on a show. You don't set up the, like what you're about to do just for Instagram, like you're doing it already.
1: Yeah, it's actually really hard um, to make time to do it because I'm working. <laughs> so there's, there's not really a whole lot that goes into it. I, um, it's most of it is very off the cuff if I'm just doing something that seems like maybe it's going to be interesting, I, you know, who knows, I'll snap a picture or a couple pictures along the way and at some point I'll deem, was that interesting or was that not interesting? I mean, there's so many little things that I'll do. I'll, I'll have a series of photos and I don't know, I'll either just not have time or I'll just think like, eh, this is not, not yeah. that neat. And you're using stories primarily. Is that right completely my my Instagram page exists almost exclusively just as a portfolio of projects that I've done. And honestly, for for somebody like a painter, where what you do is very visual, I strongly recommend that is how you use your Instagram. Um, There's almost no need for most content you create to exist in perpetuity. And in fact, there is great value in creating scarcity. You see it or you don't, Yep. you know, if if everything, if you just put everything that you can out there, every stupid little picture you have, every stupid little video and mix it in with every really cool before and after project that you do, like the signal through the noise, like people just can't find it. Like put your cool visual projects on your main page so that when somebody hears about you or hears about your Instagram and they want to check you out, pause first and foremost. Put your location in your bio. Put the city you God. are in. I cannot tell you how many painters I go to, or actually interior designers. It could be anything. And I'm looking, and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Where are you? Where, honest to God, are you? You in Baltimore? Are you in San Antonio? Are you in, are you in Vancouver? Are.
2: It's insane step one make it very clear where you are
1: doing your work everyone you're not going to get local jobs if if literally somebody a half mile away from you doesn't know that you're a half mile away from them so put where you are um but then they go to your page and they should really see almost nothing except for your beautiful after photos your first photo should always be your beautiful after photo that catches somebody's eye because your ugly before photos don't catch anyone's eye nobody wants to see an ugly you know sage bathroom with faded oak cabinets as your main picture put your beautiful white cabinets or deep blue cabinets with your, your whatever you did that's amazing in the bathroom put that as your first picture um, and then you can put the before after that. So then when somebody goes to your page, they see, oh wow, Jerry's painting in Tampa, Florida. And look at all of these beautiful things that Jerry painted in Tampa, Florida. Um, I'm in Tampa, Florida and I want a beautiful thing. I might hit up Jerry. Yeah. You, you in your story yesterday said, made,
2: made mention of how many people roughly view your stories. And my mind was blown. Really? I I don't know what's normal. So your percentage is, has to be probably the highest percentage in the
1: world. It's about 30 consistently.
2: You're 30% of your followers.
1: 25 would be a low day. 35 would be a high day.
2: That's crazy. You know, I I think I don't check very often. Like you said, that's not something you go do. But when you do, when I do check. I have 45,000 followers. I've never had more than 2,500 people view a story. Um, And it's usually in the fifteen to 1,800 range. So for you to have 400 people viewing your stories and you have under 1,500 followers, it's incredible.
1: Well, I have... um... I really do not reach for followers is the other thing, though. So um, whoever, I don't know how many I have right now. I just It's like 1,300 and change. Thirteen and change. Thanks for following along, y'all. I'll keep trying to do my best to make it worth your time. Um, That's a very important
2: statement, right? What you just said right there. That's another thing people forget. I'm going to do my best to make it worth your time. You are giving me your attention. Thank you. I'm going to keep trying to entertain you in some way, shape, or form.
1: Well, I think what what people don't realize, too, is, like, not only are they – you're not getting people's attention. You're getting people's barely attention for half a second. And if you can't make them go, hmm, in half a second, it's game over. Just think about how you use Instagram. Like, literally any one of you. I bet I would bet 100 American dollars that nobody watching this right now clicks on Instagram diligently and like pays attention to everything just in case. Well, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch this whole thing just in case there's something. You're you're thumbing like what's gonna grab my attention? What's there? So if you don't capture it immediately, it's gonzo. So that is. Um, I'll say, sorry, I futz with things. I've got a pic right here. That's probably menacing on that screen. Um, I, um, I'm anti-video a bit, personally. I don't care what anybody else does, but I don't do a whole lot of video unless there's a purpose to it, um, most especially video that relies on audio. And it's interesting because I've had a lot of like social media-ish people that have hit me and they've been like, man, you got to make some video. Got to be doing the video. The video's where it's at. And it's like, well, most people, most of the time who are on Instagram don't have the audio on because they're not in a position where they can hear. So if your video relies on you talking, they're just looking at a face that's moving and they're going, well, like, I'm not gonna listen to you because I can't, so I'm just gonna move on to the next thing. So I think most talking head videos probably don't get uh, watched that much for that reason. Even if people wanna watch it, even if they're like, oh, shoot, you know, I would see this, but shucks, I can't right now because I'm in a place where I'm not going to play audio and then you just move on and then they forget about it. And if you didn't grab them, then you're not going to get them later. So I try to make content that is just still slides, a relatively attractive picture that captures my point points and has text that is easy to read and not a whole lot of text so that it's really easy to look at when you're on a Zoom call at work and you're bored and you're flipping through Instagram like most people are, you can actually follow along with my projects and gain information with minimal effort. It takes no effort at all to flick through six slides with easy to read words and pictures and understand what happened. And you can that's do it while you're on a Zoom call at work.
2: Absolute gold, what you just said there. I I love it. I think that's a great tip. I mean. The caveat, I mean that I don't do very much of that because it takes more time to stop and type.
1: Well, you have a different thing and everybody has a different thing. So I hesitate to say that what what I do is correct for everyone. And you're much more of like an educator and you're a lot more in depth than I am. And you have, your social media has a, a different purpose than simply just being an advertisement for your work, you do so many more things. I don't, mine is literally just, you know, easy digestible stuff for people to follow along with. The other thing about video too, that people don't think about is that it's linear content, whereas photos are non-linear. Linear meaning the video has to be rolling for you to gain the information. If it's a 12 second video, it needs to be rolling for that 12 seconds to gather it Whereas with a still slide with words, with Instagram, since you can tap on the screen, you can pause, you can go back, you can go forward. It's nonlinear. It gives the user control over the content they're looking at and it makes it easier for them.
2: I, I'm going to now be adapting my social media marketing class to include this because you're, you're right for, for people who are starting their pages or are trying to get revenue from Instagram to from clients what you're saying is incredibly important. It's true. People don't want you can't don't make I always say don't ask for anything. Don't ask what's your favorite color like in a caption. No one's going to write anything. Sure. Don't ask me for things, give me things. Yeah. And when you make it easier for people to follow along, you're going to get more engagement. So Right. Yeah, I I think that's a really good piece of advice.
1: The video uh so I think And everybody has different purposes for social media. Some people are on social media, because they want to be seen by as many eyes, for whatever reason, no judgment here. If you're making content that you want to go viral video, right? None of my slides are going to go viral. I don't have 30,000 followers, I have 1300 followers, 1300 30% of which are pretty engaged. Like, it's a small group of people, but they've all self-selected in because they've seen something that's interesting to them. I don't I don't go try to just get followers to get followers. There's not really a point to that um, if I'm just trying to get local work. Yeah. Um, in fact, like, follower, like, it, it doesn't matter to me. Like, it's – if Cindy in Ohio wants to follow along, come on, Cindy. The more the merrier. But it doesn't actually do anything for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go paint – Cindy in Ohio's house. Maybe I will someday like road trip paint job giveaway. I'm thinking about it, but uh, you know, just do what makes sense to people that are local to you. Yeah.
2: And I think that's, that is the key thing here is like having an idea, but like for most businesses, the reason they should hopefully should be on Instagram is to drive revenue. I would think, uh, you know, it's a marketing tool. Hopefully marketing is driving revenue.
1: Yeah, and most do are actually, honestly, a really bad job, and I'm not just like really paying, bad job. Even like businesses, even manufacturers of stuff that I see on social media, and I'm just like, wow, you guys have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, you, they're they're
2: again. It's that are you posting to make a post? Who are who is this post speaking to? What is
1: the message?
2: Why There's nobody no care?
1: Like before you hit send, just ask yourself real quick. What is the point of this? Like, is there a point of this, or is it just, I feel like I need to be doing something? And if it's the second one, just don't do it. Like, there's nothing to be gained. The seven likes you get, well, there's no point.
2: And it dilutes your quality content that you get. It does.
1: Just put the good stuff out there.
2: And if that means posting
1: every other week, post every other week. Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. It's, It's inconsequential. Like, there's, I promise you, there's nobody... It's like sitting there, well, this person hasn't posted in a little bit. Like it, yeah. Just just do what works best for you, but keep the quality up. So that ultimately, once you've collected, you know, a number of uh, slides on your page or whatever, you've got something that looks kind of neat that people can see through and see your work. Because it, it's the same for the work, right? Keep the quality up.
2: Don't, don't do high quality jobs one day and crap the next day. No one's doing that. Sure. So the same thing goes to painting to instagram just keep doing the quality i it's just i think it's fascinating that both of our businesses are so they're like they're my company is based on instagram if i didn't have instagram i would not be where i am today
1: well it makes complete sense like um well especially if you're doing like emotional paint jobs like i don't know that it's going to do a whole lot for the pragmatic paint job i i separate them by Pragmatic paint jobs and emotional paint jobs. Your pragmatic paint job being, uh, you know, this paint is peeling or is faded or, you know, whatever reason. And it just, it's we need to repaint this wall and you're gonna get three people to come look at it. And the cheapest person that doesn't creep you out is the one that you're gonna go with. Because ultimately the job is like, it's whatever, who cares? But if you're doing paint jobs that make people feel feelings, the emotional paint jobs, um instagram is a great tool for that just cuz as you're scrolling you can have photography of beautiful spaces and you absolutely like when i scroll through instagram and i see a room that is beautiful maybe it's an interior designer or something like that that i'm following or like a real estate agent that's a beautiful home i go whoa you know and it makes you stop and it makes you look uh, so it, just, it painting is a visual thing instagram is a visual thing it just makes sense
2: yeah. I, I just, it's, it's amazing because we both have sort of stumbled into it and now, and then once you get a little bit of success, you're like, Oh, I want some more of that. How, how, do, how do I, you know, I just want more. And then you're like, okay, let me try some new stuff. And so you, you've got it to where you're less than two years into business. Correct. Coming up on two years, coming up on two years, having, Never like you didn't come from a painting company and then start your own thing. You no. started a painting company leaving the music industry. You're yes. two years in and yes. you're charging a hundred dollars an hour
1: and you're booked how many months in advance? I like probably through next summer is all I say because one job is about a six month job, but when you're looking at a job that's a six month job that starts in February, it's like is it a five and a half month job? Is it a seven month job? Like, I don't know. So Plus I'm gonna take some vacation in there somewhere. So, and then I've got another one that's not technically booked, but a house I kind of just finished. They want me to come back and do some more stuff around that time of year. So that'll probably get me about a year. It's probably about a year. Isn't that stupid? Like, I mean, it doesn't even make sense to me, but it's real, I have
2: deposits. No, it makes, it makes total sense to me because I've experienced the same thing. But I, I, I unlike you, have scaled. So I've, I used it to scale. But yeah. I also use it to. Our charge rates ninety an hour, and you know I have a large team of people who are working like that, and all of that revenue came. Most of it
1: came from Instagram. So yeah, but that's you 90, 90, you're start, charging ninety an hour per human. Per human, right? So and that's, um, I can. <laughs> ah, never mind. I'm not going to say it. You you're getting a good. That's a good that's a good rate for an employee. These are employees it's, that you're charging 99. Yeah, it's it's an unbelievable rate. In my market,
2: right. I don't know anybody that's that high. That's again, you, you should always be higher than me. The owner operator should right. always cost more per hour than me because I'm putting employees on the on that site and you are the owner operator on the site every day. But it is incredibly rare. That's why I wanted to talk to you it's incredibly rare that somebody two years into the business is able to charge a hundred dollars an hour and make a great living. Most, I mean, I, I battled for years and years and years, banging my head against the wall to get someone to pay me $30 an hour and then $35 an hour and 40. I mean, I didn't start charging $40 an hour until probably three years ago. Like it was a really long, hard slog because I was doing everything wrong and I didn't have Instagram in my life and I, but I was, I was this dedicated craftsman. I was doing amazing work, but I, my bank account didn't reflect that. And so I wanted people to hear this because everyone today has access to Instagram. And there's a lot of painters on here who have more than two years experience who are not making the same kind of money you're making. And they can either get butt hurt about that or they can adapt and make more money themselves. and, for me, I, I just love to hear a success story, and you know I'm always trying to help spread what I the, the the hard lessons I've learned. Maybe somebody can learn these and not have to learn it the hard way. So you have a this you have this blueprint that you've stumbled upon that's working, and you know you can't deny a year, booked out a year a hundred an hour like that's a beautiful thing.
1: It's crazy. Doesn't even make sense to me. I'm I'm with you. I I don't even get it. (laughs) But,
2: but it's simple supply and demand. You're in demand because you're good at what you do. You're passionate about what you do, but most importantly, people know you exist. Right. I got lucky. You got lucky, but we all need to get a little lucky, but I don't know. It's, it's just really impressive. So tell me why you are not looking to hire anybody else. Cause what standard business practice says is to get your charge rate up. Now start bringing on more and more people, keep the demand going and scale.
1: Um, it doesn't work like that in a good way ever. <laughs> it's, I'm not like some people scale and they make a company with a lot of employees, but it is not anything representative of a linear path. Like, Hey, I'm doing well. Let's, let's go up. Oh, let's get an employee. Now we're doing better. Now we're doing, it looks ask anybody who's ever built a painting business. It looks absolutely nothing like that. You go down before you go up, you get one employee. My, I've made no more money. I've, now I'm now a person manager, I'm less of a painter, I love painting, I don't like managing people. And that's, and that's the simple answer, why don't I hire? Because I love painting, I don't like managing people. So that's a very simple solution. I'm now 100% a painter, I'm 0% a people manager, and I can't beat those numbers. So that's the, uh, at the end of it. But um, I think what people don't realize is you get your first employee, you're not working less. You might even be working more. Yes, you accomplished more jobs, but you had to pay your employee and there's time training your employee. And let's just assume it's a good employee and they stick around. Let's assume that which is unlikely. Um, but best case scenario at the end of the year and you're like, cool, we're going and you look at your taxes and you're like, wow, I made the same amount of money (laughs) as I did last year, working for myself. I made no more money personally. um, And we did more jobs and this person made money and cool. Um, And it just seems to me the reality of it is once you maybe get to like three employees, you can start seeing that, but it's probably realistically more like five or six. And then you've got a team. And if I had five or six employees, I'm like, Best case scenario, I'm 15% a painter. Best case scenario, uh, and I'm a people manager. And then I spend my time just, like, looking at houses and sending out, like, estimates and invoicing people and managing teams and hiring people and firing people and dealing with everybody's personal issues. Like, all of that sounds like terrible stuff. I want absolutely, like, just let me sand trim and paint it, you know? Like, I don't want to do any of that.
2: That's, and and this is a great message because the way you described it is 100% true. I can't poke one hole in what you just said. It it is the case, you know, and it's, it is a plateau. It's, it's not a linear growth thing. It is maybe down a little bit, plateau, giant leap up, plateau, down again, maybe (laughs) back up, plateau. Sure. And, and only with massive amount of work and adapting and changing and growing as a human. Yeah. To to be able to do that.
1: And it seems like the goal of all the people that I've talked to that have done that or are doing that or wanting to do that. It seems like the goal is if I do all this, if I make all this investment and we go down and we plateau, if I do all of this and we get to the end, that's the idea. You get to the end. At the end of that, there's happiness. At the end of that, there's happiness. When I'm 45, when I'm 50, I'm gonna be happy. And I'm just like, dang, I'm happy, like pretty much every day. I'm already there, I'm, I'm just happy. I wake up in the morning, I'm happy. I mean, sure, traffic kind of bones me out sometimes. Some people suck at driving. Um, sometimes jobs go a little longer than they should. And you know, of course there are things that perturb me, no doubt. But my baseline is happy, like I'm fine. Like, and you, it's important to recognize that. Like, when you got a good thing, recognize that and roll with it and nurture it. So God, I'm nurturing mine. You are an evolved human, I'll tell you, my friend. I don't know what that means. I th-
2: Yes, everything that you just described, I think is incredibly true. And you don't it's kudos to you for having recognized it before you fell into the trap. Um for sure, because Many people bang their heads against the wall forever. Um, You are doing what you want to do. Yeah, very much. Like, at the end of the day, in business, that should be the game, right? Why do we get up and go to work? We live in this amazing country. We have all these freedoms. If we can, why not get up in the morning
1: and be happy? It's the greatest if you're able to do it. I have not been doing it my entire life, but uh, now I am.
2: Do you think that that's part of what drives you to do exactly what you want is you did Jesus, what
1: you yeah. didn't want for are so you kidding long? Me? Yes, that's the 100% yes. <laughs> like, of course, who doesn't want to be happy? If you can figure out the path to that, if you can figure out the fastest line between where you are and happiness, and that fastest line is painting 45 hours a week, dang. That's rad. Fucking A, bro.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that's it, right? You, a lot of people end up banging their heads against the wall in painting. And then they either leave painting or they just never get happy. You'd bang your head against the wall in music. We're unhappy. And you got a new lease on life. It's like you're a cancer survivor and you've got to, like...
1: Oh, I literally feel that way. I still, to this day, I laugh at least once a week on the way to work because I feel like I'm getting away with something. Like they'll, they'll be onto me at some point, but for now I'm getting away with something. <laughs> and it's yeah. great, it's awesome. It's the best thing. It is the best thing in the world. Um, yeah, and I've, I've thought about it. Um, I've thought about the music world, going to that technically like an art school and getting involved in the arts and doing that for like a decade. And it felt honestly in the rear view, nothing but a toil. The whole thing was just one big toil in an attempt to be working in a creative industry. And now that I am working my my job, my business is what is considered a trade. I am a trade person. I have never felt more creative or more artistic uh, than doing what I do now. So figure that out. Fuck it ain't man. We gotta we get, the trade schools gotta clip that and put it out. Trade schools should stop calling it stop being called trade schools. I personally think we need to drop the word trade. I think it's got too much stink on it at this point. Yeah. Like I don't I don't personally mind it, but I think the word itself is immediately off putting to a percentage of people. I mean we should call it like the practical arts or something. Uh and that's yeah. kind of what it's like when you're working. Uh, that's I, It actually blows my mind when I think about people who are going to art school, especially sculptors and people who work with like physical materials and shaping them. And I think how many people pay 50 grand to go to some super fancy art school to be a sculptor where they will make no money. And it's unfortunate, I'm not knocking artists, but I'm, I'm pointing out the reality is there's not a huge demand for sculptors and somebody who likes working with their hand. And I look at what I do with my beautiful Stahlmeister scrapers, uh, carving away on trim and my really fancy power sanders and doing, and and, and, you know, and my fillers. And like, I am sculpting trim and I'll do, you know, I'll be in a hundred year old house with this big wide baseboard and there's holes drilled in it for TV cables that were running through it at some point and it's been beat to hell and it's missing pieces. And it's cool to go in there and like rebuild it and fill the holes and smooth it all out and then when you're done you have this beautifully painted you know baseboard with this beautiful and it's like you made this beautiful thing and you made a lot of money doing it and the homeowners were happy to pay you that money because they feel awesome you know people who buy uh, a porsche they're happy to spend that money Just people who buy a camry might be like all right i guess we'll fork out the 35 000. People who buy a car for one hundred and twenty are like, "Fuck yeah!" You me that one hundred and twenty thousand dollar car? So that's the difference too. Like when you're when you're in that era you're, you're that like area of of people, they're stoked to spend. If you got the quality, if you can deliver it, they're stoked to spend the money on it.
2: And the way you're able to predictably deliver on it on a daily basis is you're a hundred percent a painter, zero percent a people manager.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
2: I, I, so Jessica Allred is another painter that does what doing what you do, who has been on this show before. Oh, so I need to know who that is. She's, you would love her. She's an unbelievable craftsperson, like cool. one of the best I know in the country, if not the best. I mean, she's in the top five people I know. Very and, cool. And Iris Marcus is too. She, she's been on the show and she was just commenting earlier and they both work alone essentially. And they both charge a lot of money per hour. And they both have a lot of work. Yeah. But I, th- I think it's the same thing. This is a model that until I knew Jessica, I did not know it was possible. When she said she was 140 an hour and booked for a year and had people on retainer and was on yeah. retainer with people, I, my, it exploded my head. You know, I, I couldn't yeah. get anybody to pay me $35 an hour.
1: Oh, she's my hero.
2: She's my I, hero, too. I need
1: to know who this person is.
2: You're, I'll connect you guys. She's the tremendous. Grips. And, But the key piece there is all three of you don't have employees. You are 100% painters. Well, and
1: that's also kind of how it like works, too, because I get the business from Instagram. People see me doing what I do, um, and they want me – to do that they don't want me to send someone else in to do that they that they want me to do that like that's what kind of makes it that that thing yeah they and, want a certain thing
2: and jessica will refer jobs to me where they client doesn't care as much about that but cares about speed sure right because i'm not going to be on site but i have a team of people and we can get the jobs faster and somebody earlier i think it was bresson asked, uh it doesn't bother you that you can't get the job sooner you can't take on large projects and i think that you can't have your cake and eat it too and at least you're going i know what i'm doing and i'm serving somebody perfectly the person that cares that you're there
1: and yeah I, I mean, I don't understand, I, I honestly don't understand that need to grow, like where you're getting so many calls where you're just like, God, I'm getting so, I can't, I can't do these jobs. I have to grow. And it's like, what's wrong with just saying no, like, it's, I'll tell you, honestly, like it sucks because it's, there are cool projects where I'm like, man, I wish I could get my hands on that house. I'd love to do it, but I can't. But beyond that, it's like, see, you can't do it. And the reason you can't do it is because you're two books. And so your books, you're full. And that's the goal, right? Your goal is to be full. And once you've achieved that, like, just be happy. You would see a painter. You just get to just go paint. Yes. How many hours does a painting business owner work? A lot. In a week. I think most guys are working 50 plus for sure. Cool. I work like, I, I realize I work like 45 hours a week that's like it at,
2: at 100 an hour in
1: year two uh, well yeah 80. but maybe like maybe like 40 of that is what i'm charging for it probably okay. take five of putzing time on my end uh to just keep things in order that that's kind of how i figure it i'm really never on a job site for more than like eight hours these days um because it's just not practical with my life so i do my my five eights like like a red-blooded american does <laughs> And uh, I've got, you know, some evening time here and there. Maybe I'm doing some estimates or, or you know, putzing with stuff in the van or buying tools, you know, whatever. So, I figure another five hours a week of putzing, 45 hours a week. That's not that bad. But the best part
2: is you're only going to increase demand and your supply is going to stay the same. So, your hourly charge rate is just going to keep going up and up and up. Maybe,
1: yeah, there will be a point. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, well, maybe you'll find the point.
2: I know I know I'm constantly telling Jessica and I'm not the only one. The contractors who hire her tell her she needs to be two hundred, two hundred and twenty an hour. Sure. And that's a hard thing. I think that 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 becomes especially as a craftsperson, it's hard to start to charge that. But I know for a fact Jessica is worth that. She's adding two hundred and twenty dollars worth of value per hour of her time.
1: Yeah. So and you know, if you're a person that's uh, motivated by that you could totally chase that, and that's cool. I don't know that I'm completely motivated by that, uh, personally, I think happiness is my number one driver. Um, I didn't have a lot of money before, I didn't make a lot of money before, and now I do. So I'm in that whole, like, phase of, this is so much better than I ever thought it would be, so (laughs) I'm just chilling out for a second. Um, I don't feel like I need to, ooh, how can I, let me increase this, and maybe I'll only do these kind of houses, and- I,
2: so I see it more as relieving stress and backlog by charging more. For me, that's why I tell Jessica to do it. Jessica has this unbelievable demand for her services and she's constantly being called for these big emergencies and to come in and fix them. And I'm trying, I'm trying to say like, Hey, you want to know how to reduce that stress of all the influx of people that want you and are begging for
1: you and say they need you so badly. Raise your rates until you get lose some of them. So here's the other thing, though. It sounds to me like she's doing much more high end paint jobs than I'm doing. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do what you do. Because the level that you work at is three times as demanding as the level that I work at. And I don't want to do that. I want to do really good quality. I don't want to do stupid what the heck am i looking at is that even actual paint how do they do this is there like what's going on here i don't want to do that quality <laughs> that's that's a whole different type of homeowner like i am in this sweet spot right now where most of the jobs that i do are people who are sort of in a category of we know we want this to be good quality we're 100 percent sure that we are people who want this to be good quality we don't know exactly what good quality is. We don't know what that looks like, but we're positive you do. So please do what it is that you do. And that's what I do. And I make things better than they thought they could be to the best of my ability. Yeah. And I don't want to try for, hey, maybe for 40 bucks, 50 bucks more an hour, I can work with people who are like, if I see one speck of, and I don't I don't have that. I don't have those people. I don't deal with those people like at all. I deal with the chillest, awesomest, coolest homeowners that I just, I love working for. And that is valuable to me. It's like, I can pay my bills. I'm doing just fine. I have a beautiful view. I've got the nicest tools. I work for the awesomest homeowners. Uh, you know, like recognize when you have a good thing and, and don't go changing it. Don't shuffle the deck, man. This is why, this is why I wanted people to hear you
2: because th- this, I think you are, you are, uh, you, you've broken the four minute mile and we're letting other people know now that there's a way to break the four minute mile. Hopefully somebody got something. I I know people are getting something out of this because I think you came, one of your advantages was coming from a different world. You didn't
1: work for a paint contractor and then go out on your own. I agree that my complete and utter ignorance is a little bit of an advantage. It's, un, it's undeniable. You, you don't have the, the, the
2: bullshit head trash that so much of us have because we grew up in this industry. What is Nick and Nick and Jason are constantly talking about getting rid of that and fighting that you came in with a blank slate. It's tremendous.
1: I, I got lucky. I you got did. really lucky.
2: Yeah. And I hope I'm, I'm just glad that we we're able to talk about this so that other people can hear this type of stuff. Cause I know I've heard conversations like this. I've heard people who have a, like fundamentally changed the way I see what I can do, they they do the four minute mile thing. Where I go, oh, they, you just described it, and, and, and you're not you're not that special. You've you've made that clear. You're just doing a thing what yeah. you like. Like that, anybody listening can do what they like too.
1: Yeah, you totally can. I mean, I very often I don't get why other people aren't doing this because it like I don't know. What is it about, sorry, I'm thinking like off the cuff. Like I, what is it about trades that people look at or painting, or like your outsider who doesn't know about it and they look at it and what makes them go, that is not neat, that's not for me. Because honestly, I look at the jobs that I do in the houses that I do with the homeowners that I do them for, with the tools that I use. And I'm like, I just feel like I feel fit in with that, you know, artsy crowd, beer brewing, cra- like all the things that, you know, millennials, who are kind of artsy and creative, like all that stuff that they're into, that they're not making any money doing, and it's like, well, geez, like, you guys can literally do this. You, I'm, I'm positive you can learn to do this if you, if you have a good attitude and you can enjoy it. Uh, I don't know why more people aren't doing this. It's incredibly rewarding. I love what I do. I, I, I it blows my mind every single day that I get to enjoy work this much and also get paid <sighs> crazy who to think yeah i don't I don't even know where to
2: go with this this that's like this is so inspirational for people because I agree I think theres a bunch of people who think that they need to hire employees they they think that they need to do all of these things and you've so clearly demonstrated that you can just wake up and do what you want to do if you do it with passion
1: you'll be okay i feel like i should mention uh there's another guy that i got into painting for music industry colleague and um i had uh bumped into him like once or twice since i got my painting operation going and things were going really well and he's a uh, kind of a handy guy like since covid hit and you know music's been shut down he's been like building decks and stuff like that he is a he's a small town person from south dakota small town like farmish people have skills man they just they grow up having skills yeah i can build a deck yeah i can shingle a roof sure i can like those kind of people who just grow up in those sort of environments they just have skills they can do things and i was telling him about painting and how it's all been like working out and uh he was really interested. So I hooked him up with one job that I couldn't do with people that I kind of knew and they were moving in uh, to a new house. And uh, it wasn't a high stakes paint job by any stretch of the imagination, but they wanted the whole thing painted. And I knew that he was capable of doing that. Like, this is a very basic, you're painting ceilings, you're painting walls, anybody who's like reasonably handy can do this. So I didn't get involved. I connected the two, I sent it his way. And he that Jeez, I want to say that turned out to maybe be almost a $10,000 job, like totally. And uh, he took to it immediately. He went and bought himself a Merca system just like mine, got himself surf prep. Like he went and bought himself some tools. And uh, it worked out well. So um, now I literally, pretty much everyone that hits me up, about three to five people a week. And I have to say, super sorry, I'm booked solid through next summer but I've been sending folks to John and I give him his number and almost all of them reach out to him and uh, he goes and does estimates and he's been booking a number of those jobs. I think he's maybe booked over 20 grand worth of jobs at this point and this just started a few months ago. This was not that long ago. So and that for me that solves my employee thing like I don't need someone to work for me how about somebody else just goes and starts their business and he can do it by himself or he can grow if he wants to and then once he get, he's got his instagram thing going now and he was over last night and i just set him up with his first targeted uh, ad on instagram we just put it together um i kind of showed him how to do it so we'll see what kind of success he gets uh from his instagram but i send him the work that i can't do i'm happy to do it uh he'll start booking his own stuff a year from now he's going to be too booked out and he's gonna be doing the same thing with somebody else. So that, just as an example, here's another person that was in the audio industry, like that, they, they're a creative person, that's what they wanted to do. Not a whole lot of work happening there. And um, when I was in the, the music industry, I was, I was an engineer, so I would mix records. I'm in a studio, you know, I'm, I'm mixing tracks, I'm making the final, like I would do a lot of that. It's a very creative process and uh, my brain lights up at least as much doing what I'm doing now than, you know, compared to what I was doing then. It's every bit as creative and I get rewards uh, from it. So it's more fun. So I I just feel like for creative people who find themselves in some sort of other art, those are the people who should be getting into uh, trades, probably not just painting.
2: Yeah. And I think it's a good point because I I have a, a kind of a an issue or let's say a um, whatever you call it, things that bother me. Where people who like painters who want to talk about how many years experience they have most of the time turn me off and are, are kind of they're not my favorite people. Let's just sure. put it that way. I, I think that when you're talking when you when you have to talk about how many years you've done something. I'm not a big fan of that because that doesn't tell me much doing something for a number of years does not equal constant growth throughout that time or whatever. Right? Like, it's just I've been making a living by putting paint on things for an extended period of time. And, and when you hang your hat on years, experience I, I'm oftentimes it's like, uh Oh, right. So when you say you've been doing it for two years, and you're finding success. I that makes a ton of sense to me. I think that the, especially the market that you're serving it's not rocket science. Like no. I'm sorry painters like we are not doing rocket science.
1: No, I hate that. Painting is like so easy. Like there's Paintings. a lot of things that you can there are steps that you can neglect. There are there are things you can like do not as well, but the process you you don't have to be a genius to do it. And that's no. actually part of so the secondary purpose of my Instagram account, aside from getting me work, is I'm trying to educate homeowners. I, my, that's the other thing too, is my, uh, my stuff is not geared towards other painters. I'm not making content for other painters. A number of painters follow me and that's cool. Love having them uh, follow along, but I don't make content for other painters. I'm not, they all know more than I do. Most people that follow me probably know way more than I do. They ask me questions and I'm like, why are you asking me questions? I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, like, you're so much better than I am. Why are you asking me about paint? You've been doing this for, uh, um, I, I make content for, uh, what, what did we start? What got me on this tangent? Painting's not that hard. Yes, it's not that hard. So I try to educate, uh, homeowners and that's been great. Like when you show them how to do things, uh, it's interesting to them because then they'll tackle those projects and people will send me pictures of things that they've done or they'll ask me questions, they'll hit me directly with questions about a project they're working on and I'm happy to help them out. And that keeps people following along, that keeps people uh, enjoying you and engaging and uh, bringing other people to follow along and sometimes those people who tackle their own project will maybe hit you up later for a bigger project that they can't quite do. Um, So I think that's also important too. Like I see a lot of people, Where their content on instagram is basically just flex it's like here's a picture of this door i just sprayed hashtag glass factory and it's just nothing but flex and it's like okay you can get away with a flex shot now and then to show something really neat that you did but if all you do is like look how awesome we are at painting look yeah we're the best we're the bomb hashtag glass factory it's like there's not an audience for that. Nobody's like, oh God, let me see how good this person thinks they are all the time. Like you can get away with that sometimes. Um, I do that almost never. Um, I just don't think it's very useful content. And it's sort of one of those things where it's like the more you flex, the more people think you're probably full of shit because you just, and you just need to stand there and fucking flex, you know? Yes, and I, I think that
2: like, it is about just be like here's what I'm doing here's what I'm doing and here's why you should care and like yes can a lot of basic home repainting like you were saying you're not tackling my you're not trying to go after my market
1: no I'm never ever I'm 100 I'm positive I'll never ever ever do a mirror high gloss ceiling 100 positive yep and and so
2: that's the kind of work like yes A mirror, high gloss ceiling, when a client says they're going to figure it out some other way, I laugh. I'm like, all right, have fun because that's not something like that is incredibly high level stuff, requires a lot of time, energy, tools, equipment, all of it, Well, fine. But a high quality interior repaint, brushed finish is not rocket science. It takes a lot of time. It takes some dedication, some basic product knowledge. And for me, like, yes, as you do it longer, hopefully you're getting more efficient at it, right? You're going to show up and be more efficient at it than the homeowner. But if the homeowner had an unlimited amount of time and energy, they could probably do the same thing or come close. Maybe not the same thing, but
1: come pretty close. Yeah, for sure. So they're hiring us so that they don't have to do it. Yeah, because they'd rather not. Like a lot of people would – there's still a lot of – That's the other thing, too, is like, I will maybe, I don't do this often, but maybe I'll um, show a step-by-step of how to do something, whatever it is. Maybe it's not even that complex. I mean, but if it's something like popcorn ceiling, you know, that would be pretty complex, or like kitchen cabinets. Like, I will show people a step-by-step thing with the actual intention of, This is what you need to do to do this. So follow these steps and you go forth and do this. But the result of that will be 90% of the people will look at that step by step and be like, I'm not doing that. Are you kidding me? I'm not gonna do that. You do that. You look like you know what you're doing. Why don't you do it? So give give the information away. Literally, if you have a, a 25 step process to doing a high gloss ceiling, show people in depth how to do it. You can make your own high gloss ceiling. And most people will look at that and they will say, F use that, Kenny. I am not going to do that. That is a lot of GD work. Yep, That's my whole Instagram page. Yes.
2: Hey, here's the step-by-step process on how we do our stuff. Isn't it really labor-intensive and tedious? And yeah. don't you probably not want to do it? Well, we'll do it for you. Totally. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think sometimes it's Sometimes I get, I'm sensitive to painters who get too wrapped up in like stuff that's not real in, in things that are easy. Like I've been doing this for a long time, not I've been getting more efficient at this and I'm really good at this and I'll do this. So you don't have to, which to me, that's a much better sales pitch than I've been doing it for a long time. Sure. Some people have asked some questions. All right. How many bad paint jobs has Jason seen? Has he stripped latex from oil?
1: Um, most of them. Most of them that I encounter are bad paint jobs. How did you know what good looked like? I mean, I have a sense for aesthetic you have to have that I don't know how a person develops that but I don't know I can tell that a beautiful you know flat deep blue wall looks better uh than a satin deep blue wall (laughs) you know you you can tell that the low luster is uh you know much richer you don't get all that light reflection washing it out and Uh, You know you can tell that bumps on a wall suck Uh, You can tell I don't know the first I used to use uh, white dove roller covers I thought it was a perfectly fine roller cover until the very first day I used a microfiber roller cover and then I'm like, oh, well, that's obviously smoother and better So now I'm only going to use microfiber roller covers. I used to use uh, Sherwin's duration uh, Matt that was my standard paint and I thought well, that's a fine wall paint until I used a uh, flat designer edition emerald. And I'm like, well, that looks a whole heck ton more luxurious. So now that's going to be the new standard wall paint. Like if if I, you know, I used uh, emerald uh, urethane until I used scuff It's like, okay, well, that's noticeably better too. So I don't know. Whenever I find better stuff, I uh, I gravitate toward that. Now I'm using those Stalmeister brushes. I'm, <clears throat> sorry, Purdy. We had a good run, man. But I've pulled all the purdy brushes from my bag and they've been replaced with stallmeasters. And it's that's been my newest change. that I love Once,
2: once you've used a Stallmeister brush, it is hard to go back.
1: Yeah. They're why with
2: FPE stepped with. I so to clarify, Brett Jake has clarified that question was in response to it's so easy to do what we do, why are there so many bad paint jobs? I know I think it's because people don't have the passion and love painting, like anyone watching this right now, and Jason. But what do you think, Jason?
1: Well, I'll be real too, I think, I mean, there are plenty of professional painters that think of themselves as a professional painter and work full time as such that still do bad paint jobs because they just aren't a good judge of quality. They just don't have taste. I mean, I'm not pointing at anyone specifically, so nobody can be offended by me saying that. But there are plenty of, like, I don't know, it's a matter of having a taste. And, I mean, who's done all of these paint jobs in these 100-year-old houses? Like, I okay, so I go into brand-new houses. I've never seen a good paint job in a brand-new house. New construction no. paint jobs, like quality paint jobs, those are non-existent. I go in a million-dollar brand-new house, and the paint job is garbage. It's the cheapest thing, cheapest paint. It's crap. Why? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It's not hard to do it because they call the new homeowners call me in a year after they moved in and I go paint all the walls and it is quality. So why wasn't it quality the first time? I honestly can't answer that question. When I go into a hundred year old house and the walls have been painted 17 times, why is it bad? Because the walls have been painted 17 times by homeowners and they didn't, they just use whatever, you know, paint they got at home Depot and they just threw it on the wall with, Whatever crappy brush and crappy roller and there's brush strokes all along all the trim and everything. Uh, and there's like I don't know. Like it's easy to do. Why don't people do it well? I don't know. I'm trying to solve that. <laughs> I, I think a lot of it is they don't know what good looks like. It starts there.
2: Right? And and it's so it's an it's a price game, right? Because a a bunch of those painters, if not all of those painters that are doing that, have not done what you and I have done, which is market, keep demand way below supply, way higher than supply, so that we could say no anytime someone wanted us to not do a great paint job. You can't say no, or you have to compromise on quality if it's, I have this massive team of people, or I have a, a group of people I need to keep busy, right? whether it's myself alone, And I've done zero marketing, right? Because if you do zero marketing and you're by yourself, demand is not going to out far outreach supply. So you're going to be not charging a hundred dollars an hour like Jason does. So I think that like, oftentimes it comes down to not being able to say no, because either you grew too fast and you had to keep a machine busy without the marketing to keep the quality there, or you didn't start there. Like you, you, you
1: never did marketing to build even your one man show up so you could say no to stuff. Sure. You know, and there's different price levels too. And a lot of those are really pragmatic paint jobs. Like maybe the six previous homeowners wanted pragmatic paint jobs on those walls. So they hired the cheapest painting company or they they either did it themselves or they hired the cheapest painting company that didn't creep them out. And you know, they've been painted with super paint five times eggshell you know, and there are professional painting companies. This people will be offended by, but I I don't care. Uh, If you're a professional painting company and eggshell is your standard sheen, that's a mark right there. Eggshell is not a luxurious finish, period, end of sentence. Eggshell on walls is not a luxurious finish. So you're not doing luxurious paint jobs, and that's why people are not paying you luxurious money. You know, and if, if you can't tell that eggshell doesn't look as good as a beautiful flat, and I'm not talking about Promart 200 flat, I'm talking about Designer Emerald flat. If you can't, as a professional painter, can't tell that eggshell doesn't look as good as that, you know, that's your starting point. You should, you should get out in the world and you should experience fine things and you should step into beautiful rooms and you should learn about that and you should learn about quality and aesthetic.
2: If If, if and you want to do to high quality work right like we said we're we're saying this as two guys i i care a lot about quality i have i think i have an eye too i know i like i'm constantly looking at what looks good and what doesn't
1: look good if you're not into that
2: like no one's saying you have to do all this stuff
1: no but then you're doing pragmatic paint jobs and there's tons of those to do but that's that's why there's gonna be a dollar cap. There's a dollar cap on how much people will spend for a pragmatic paint job. Most paint jobs are pragmatic paint jobs. It's just a standard, and most homeowners don't know that eggshell doesn't look good. You, you as a professional painter, you said, cool, we're gonna come in, we're gonna paint your whole house eggshell. And homeowners are like, great, that sounds awesome. And you do the paint job, and they're like, well, shucky darns, that looks great. Great, it's a whole series of people who don't necessarily have a luxurious taste for their walls, and that's fine, I'm not judging that but the category of people that I'm trying to work with are people that like that kind of stuff. Yeah, And that's for the money. That's, like, if you want to make money, that's
2: where the money is,
3: obviously. Yeah.
2: That's the key point here, right? Someone's like, oh, there's a ton of people who don't want to spend. Yes, there are. But there's also a, a massively underserved market of people who do want to spend and can't find anybody quality to do it. Look, they all want to hire Jason and he can't even get to them. Like, there is a a big market of people who will pay for quality and I think that market is highly underserved
1: yeah I mean home renovation is bigger than it's ever been and not all of them are like doctors that drive Audis. like millennials who are younger than I am who have a little bit of money like this is the stuff that millennials like to spend money on millennials probably more than any generation previously they're Boomers are pragmatic. Millennials are into feelings. Millennials want to feel awesome. Like that's more than any generation, millennials want to feel awesome. Millennials want to feel like a boss ass bitch. They might live in a 900 square foot house, but they want to feel like a boss ass bitch. And if you show them that that's available to them on your Instagram, that you can make rooms really, really beautiful, um, they're going to want that. And they'll spend like, assuming they make a couple dollars, like they don't have to be loaded. Like that's, that's the kind of stuff that they want. They want those beautiful rooms. So get educated about that. Get educated about like you should be, every painter should be following, whether it's interior designers or even just like following the bougie paint companies, you know, Farrow and Ball or whatever um, that share very nice photographs of very nice designer rooms, bold color schemes, you know, things of that nature, things that look very luxurious. Get your eyes on that kind of stuff regularly and get used to how that looks and get used to that aesthetic and aim for that aesthetic because that's what people want. That's what people who who, who are willing to spend money on paint jobs, that's what they want. Yeah, and, and I think that it's
2: on us to advocate for those things. When a client comes to you and says they want eggshell walls, okay, well, let's have a conversation about why. Why do you think that is? Do, do you the common knowledge in my world is that lower sheens are less washable. Well, fine paints of Europe has a flat wall paint. That's incredibly washable. Yeah. Okay. Let's like, and and being as a professional, you have to be able to educate your client as to why. So I don't know how much of that you're doing, but I, I think that when people are, are making comments about clients wanting things or whatever, it's on us at some point to advocate for, what
1: the client really wants, which is a beautiful space. Well, so and that's also what you need to understand is, um, and this is a music industry thing too. Working with artists, they might say one thing, but you need to read between the lines. If you're, if the big picture that you're getting is that okay, this person wants a beautiful, luxurious paint job, but then they're telling you specific things like eggshell walls. There's a mismatch there. Well, I, and, before and we go be farther, read through that.
2: I, I, I have to say that there is there are always exceptions to the rule and we are we just finished a 10 million dollar penthouse that has matte but what you would call eggshell finish
1: well no, eggshell sea- are two different things
2: well they're ter- they're there's subjective terminology
1: that sure cuz there's no of- there's no absolute standard across the board for paint absolutely i guess when i say matte i consider sherwin williams duration on a wall to be matte so if you look
2: up fine paints of Europe, matte Euro Lux matte, okay. it has a degrees of sheen that are very similar to what would be called an eggshell in Benjamin Moore. Say, it's okay. got it's got more sheen to it than a a matte generally, and we put it on ceilings and walls, and it's it makes a statement. First of all, it's incredibly expensive
1: to do ceilings with that high of a sheen, right? Here's the other thing, though, too. You're not just going in and sanding down a wall and then rolling on eggshell. Yes. There's a lot of prep. Your walls are flat. Are you spraying this eggshell or rolling it? Rolling it. But you are doing hella wall prep. You're probably eliminating stippling that exists.
2: There was a $20,000 change order for skim coating the ceilings.
1: Right. Right. If you just take any standard wall that's been painted a half a dozen times and it's pretty heavily stippled, okay. Now and I'm you like throw it. eggshell on there, it's going to look shitty. It's just going to look cheap. There's no possible environment where that will look luxurious. I, I like
2: what you're saying. I like where you're getting at.
1: You're saying showing up for the most cost-effective
2: repaint on a wall. I I agree. The lower sheens are always going to be it.
1: And I mean, you could you could. You, you could do this in music, you could do this in fashion. There are rules, basically. There are there are ideas, there are concepts. And then someone will find a way yeah. to just obscenely break the rule in a way that like works. Yes. Or some people will obscenely break the rule in a way that they're hoping is gonna work, and maybe ultimately it doesn't work that well, but it is what it is, and that's what somebody wanted. You know, I mean I, I, I might I might agree with that one a hundred percent, actually.
2: But again. I just wanted to like put that out there so that people who are like, oh, but I like eggshell on a thing. It can be done well, but I think that your point is well taken that generally lowering the sheen, but more importantly going for at the end, does this look aesthetically pleasing? Right. Do I like how this looks?
1: Does this feel nice? Right. You're right. And that's, that's ultimately it is like, forget all the technical stuff. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But like how does it make you feel when it's done? That's all that matters. Like yep. how does this if you're selling emotional paint jobs that people spend money on, is it's like, does this space make me feel something? You know, then it will make the homeowner feel something. And they just want feelings, man. They just want to wake up in the morning and see their freaking awesome walls as they're walking to the bathroom and they're like, Yeah, I'm the king of the universe because I got these awesome walls. They yes. wanna feel that. I looked at a feel job this week. In my whole apartment. I wanna feel that.
2: A hundred percent. I was at a project this week, brand new custom home. I don't know, four or $5 million new custom home. Uh, very like spec level paint job. Um, and when you're standing in those spaces, so it, got, it has all sorts of crown molding and detailed trim and all that stuff, but then it has this awful paint job. And when you don't ease the edges on a bunch of molding and it's all sharp and 90 degrees, it most people would never be able to tell you that's why they don't like the feeling of the room, but the room feels differently with a bunch of hard 90 degree edges on all the moldings. And in the sales process, that's what we're telling her. I told her like, I'm going to repaint this room for the cost of the entire house. Just so you know, like, that's what this means. What you're, what you're telling me you want equals this. But, as you're describing why I'm going to use Euro Lux on the walls and I'm going to use fine paint, like Holland lack on the trim. It's going to be because it's going to feel different. Not sure. because of anything other than when you stand in this room, it's going to feel different. Sure. We're skim coating all the walls in this crazy dining room. It's got crazy texture all over it. Like, like rocks in the paint texture. Paint hate that. <laughs> and, the client was like busting my balls because on my story, I said it was nasty. Her whole house, 12,000 square feet, is full of it. Yeah. She had told me it is, and so just she was busting, but it is. It's, it's, and I was saying it's anxiety provoking. Yeah. To, to be in a space with that textured wall is, to me, a sensitive person, anxiety provoking. And we get yeah. to now skim coat her walls. It's a massive process, m- tons of work, but when it's done, that room's going to be calm again.
1: Yeah. That's what we do. you're hitting on really, as a person, really, like, if you're going to go down this road, you should have an emotional attachment to uh, paint jobs. Like, I I cannot stand uh, this house that I'm working on now. I'm just doing a bunch of trim and doors. All of it, um, most of it was rolled, it seems. And it's just like... I don't know what the enamel was, but it was obviously rolled with something that was not a microfiber roller. And I don't know if it's just the enamel. I don't know if maybe it was, you know, kind of warm and it gooed up, but the, it's really heavily stippled, like the doors and everything. And like, you just touch these doors and it's a proper enamel. Like it doesn't get gooey when you sand it. So that that's a plus is I can at least sand it. But when you touch it, it's just like, eh, like this, eh, it just, Like I don't want to touch that door. It is unpleasing to me to touch that door. But when a person, it doesn't matter who you are, if you touch something that is very smooth, you recognize that and you want to keep petting it. That's why you like petting bunnies. Bunnies are smooth. Like when you touch trim and doors, and people do touch trim and doors and cabinets, I always think about it with the most tactile things, cabinets, doors, you know, side trim on doors. If you see a new paint job that looks really beautiful and it looks smooth, you're going to touch it. You can't stop yourself from touching it. And then when you touch it and you get that payoff and you go, oh, wow, it is smooth. Wow, that feels, that feels good. Wow, and you just kind of like, you're like, that feels good. What is that? Then you're sucked into the paint job. You thought we were just paint and trim white. No. (laughs) No we're making you feel feelings when you touch it we're making you feel feelings yes I love it that job with the terrible
2: paint job that was also one of the few job houses in New England i've ever seen where I live that had drywall for its walls and so someone had put clearly one coat of probably pVA primer and then they maybe they probably did two coats of wall paint regal select but with that single coat of primer on drywall, it had all just sucked into the wall. The wall had drank yeah. up.
1: Yeah. All that paint. Where these walls were like chalk. They that's just, what I encounter all the time ta- with new construction. Yes. And, and that's and why people painful. hate flat paint. It's painful. And yeah. and you say, touch that this this uh, the client,
2: she knew she didn't like her walls. She didn't know why. Yeah. I was able to like reverse engineer, why is this bad? But at the end of the day, nobody likes to feel a wall that feels like
1: sandpaper and chalk. Right, and that's what most new construction walls feel like. That's exactly what they feel like. And that's done with flat paint for the obvious cheap reasons of doing flat paint. You can touch it up you know, until the cows come home and it's gonna blend, it's gonna be fine, whatever. Um, But that is also, I have found the impression that people have of flat paint Is they've experienced that at some point in their life even if they are a person of means at some point in their life they lived in a place that was painted like that and they felt it and it it's so dry it feels like it's sucking the soul out of your body there's nothing pleasing about touching that um and so there have been a couple people where i've been like we're gonna go flat and they're like oh i don't know about flat and i'm like "No, no 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 Designer Emerald Flat is a, literally a night and day experience from anything like that that you've ever touched. And Designer Emerald, like while it is incredibly low luster, if you sand the walls and if you use a microfiber roller cover, which I highly recommend with that paint, um, it will be very smooth and luxurious feeling. It will, you know, uh, it's, it's entirely different and it, it looks expensive. It feels expensive. People are willing to spend money on things that look like they spent money on things. That's kind but, of But you can't stretch the paint, right? You can't try to get that gallon to cover cuz that's always
2: the other thing I think when that happens that it's because someone's trying to stretch the paint probably and and not put it on like they're going, "Well, is the whole room the color?" Okay. Right. right that's that's the goal. No, the goal is not the whole room is the right color. It's did you put the right mill thickness of paint on so it has the ability to lay out Sure. would be nice
3: later. Right on.
2: Somebody just said, can you use it on ceilings? Uh, generally, yeah. I would say use ceiling paint on ceilings, though. I've used it.
1: It doesn't have any sheen to it? It's dead flat? No, it has, um, it's not as flat as ceiling paint. Um, I always use ceiling paint for ceilings. Yeah. I did a, um, this was in a really big dining room with super tall ceilings um, in an old house. And I, we did it as slightly kind of an off white, and I shot it and we did flat designer. Oh, well, it looks good, but it's also like on a plaster ceiling. That's, you know, a little like it, there's, there's no expectation of some perfectly smooth flat wall. Yeah.
2: I think generally I would recommend using ceiling paint on ceilings because it's just so much more forgiving. And again, rarely are we, if we're going to change the sheen on a ceiling, it's a massive upcharge, right? Because it's not just changing the the sheen, it's skim coating a bunch of walls that were never planned to have a sheen put on.
1: Yeah, I just use Benjamin Moore flat ceiling paint.
2: Yeah, I I think I would highly recommend, even when you're doing high-end paint jobs, sticking to a ceiling paint. A high-quality Benjamin Moore's yellow label ceiling paint is what we use a lot. It's high quality, truly dead flat, and the difference in cost from going to from that which is good to something like a, a wall paint in flat is significant because you're going to now add some sheen it's going to add prep and it's maybe it's a conversation to have with clients I have it every once in a while and occasionally they agree but for the most part people that's above and beyond luxurious painting sure do we've talked for two hours Uh, how about that i could talk for another two hours but uh i'm again i have really bad hvac in here and the the thermostats in my downstairs so i mean are you freezing freezing or roasting oh no i'm melting i'm sweating all down my back it's terrible
1: i'm sorry to hear that
2: only because of that and i've gone through three seltzers and i'm out that (laughs) i have to wrap this up um i think we're gonna have to do this again if if you're interested down the road i think I would love to continue this conversation, check in with you a year from now, see where it, the company is called Jason Paints Minneapolis.
1: Is that right? Jason the Painter. My handle is Jason Paints MPLS. Okay. My company is called Jason the Painter.
2: <laughs> Jason the Painter. Dude, it's <laughs> tremendous. Uh, wait, did Jake have one more question? Oh, yeah. He just said repost this. Um, if I take off the flannel, I got nothing underneath, Jake. And that's, take it This is not off. That kind of show. That's what the private Q&A on Patreon's for. (laughs) Um, I have three questions for you, though, Jason, real fast before we wrap up or I die of heat exhaustion. Okay, number one. DIY painting tip.
1: Uh, I mean, okay, yeah, let me throw one at you. Um, Let's say you want to mask uh trim either like on a wall or maybe on a floor behind a radiator and you can't reach back there i've definitely like stuck uh i've I've ripped off a you know a strip of tape and i've stuck one end to the end of a paint stick and held onto the other and maneuvered it in place with the stick and then swiped it with the stick uh and that's worked pretty well those painting sticks honestly there's like 50 uses for them I only recently started stirring paint with them and they work pretty well for that too. Um, but there's, there's so many other things that you can use those painting sticks for man anywhere. 100%. So that we're not going to
3: allow
2: that to be your favorite painting tool, but it actually, you can be if you'd like, but we've already just went down it. So you would be answering two questions with one. What is your favorite tool piece of painting paraphernalia? So it's tool, paint, software, you name it.
1: Um, okay, I'm can I answer this with two things? My first one is going to be my uh Mirka Diros five-inch orbital sander just because I use the shiz out of that thing all the time. <laughs> that thing is just like my handy little buddy, and we are sanding like crazy on everything. All the time. I honestly don't know why I'm called a painter because all I do is sand. That that Deros is a rock star. Um, are you using
2: a backing pad? The the backing pad to save. Are you using Abernet or are you using are you using a net abrasive or are you using?
1: Yeah, Diablo. They are honestly um, twice as good in my experience as the Merca. I'm, I'm a Merca fangirl through and through. But I've used their five inch abrasives and I've used the Diablo ones. And the Diablo ones not only uh, perform better in my experience, like pretty obviously objectively, um, they're cheaper and you can just go to home Depot and get them. Wow. Now that's a pro tip for all.
2: There are 44 people who lasted two hours on this. That's saying something. That's a hell of a tip. And now I'm going to have to go to home Depot, buy some Diablo. Cause I am, I am a convert. I, I believe that not everything that's expensive has to be the best.
1: Diablo abrasives in my experience are just fantastic. They just are really work super well. And those net abrasives um, really hold up. I have, I got the Merkel ones in 120 grit and 220, which are, which are two grits that I burned through like crazy. And I swear I was burning through those Merkel ones twice as fast, they would tear easier. Um, so I do use the pad saver, just the thin pad saver, of course use a pad saver on have- every electric sander without question completely, um, but I don't use anything squishier than that. I've tried the squishier one that they make, the thicker one, and um, I got it to work kind of well once, but I found that it's really, really hard to get it centered on the sander where it's not like wobbling. If you get it ever so slightly off-centered, it starts wobbling like crazy and you just can't sand that well with it. So Merka, great idea on that pad. Theoretically, it doesn't work that well. But yep. those pad savers are the bomb. Love it. Got to have the
2: pad saver. Okay, so the other
1: tool, though. Yeah. My new thing. I'm obsessed with the Stalmaster brushes. And today, my love. Actually, the last couple of days, my love has been their freaking huge wall brush. If you look up the Stalmaster brushes, and you look up their wall brush, and you're gonna say, Jason, that's not a brush. That's a mop. That's a mop. That's not a brush. You can't. And it's seventy dollars. Is it
2: <laughs> $70?
1: I don't know. Well, you might be talking about the Spalter brush. Yes. Okay, so I have the Spalter brushes I'm obsessed with too. That's a tremendous those, brush. Those ultra-thin brushes, I use those almost daily. I'm using them on the trim now, and I am brushing fantastically smooth looks sprayed trim with that Spalter brush. That is a fantastic way to finish. It is it is a magical brush. It's actually magical. But I'm talking about their big honking wall brush. It is enormous. The thing is probably Five inches wide and like an inch thick, I know the one. Yes, so I got it, and I used it on walls, maybe just once for like cutting in, and I freehanded a whole room there wasn 't any tape, and I used that thing, and it was the bomb it was it 's obscene, using this big giant mop brush you know, to cut in ceilings and I'm never going back. It was the greatest feeling. I got awesome results. I was getting laser clean lines. That thing is the bomb. And then I've been using it for enamel lately and I'm using it one to um, just apply a ton of paint like you would a roller. And then I'm smoothing it out with the spalter brush or I'm honestly on big surfaces, I'm just using that brush and it's super soft. And if you just feather it and you've got, you know, the paint kind of watered down just where it needs to be. Like I did this bay window last week, and it's not perfect, but it is very stinking close to perfect. And it's just brushed with that big honking brush. So that is like my new- Beautiful bay window. That's like my new brush. And it's like, instead of having eight brushes, it's like, well, I got this one. (laughs) That's
2: tremendous. Stallmeister brushes, if they were only easier to buy.
1: Yeah, I get them from the Fusion Milk Paint website. Um, they don't In have Canada. all their products, but they have a good amount of them.
2: And then they come from Canada, and you have to wait. Have you used their microfiber rollers?
1: Yes, they – yes. Um, so I haven't used them on something really worthwhile yet because I've really only been doing Scuff-X, and their microfibers are a very short nap. They're So first of all, they're amazing rollers. You blow on those things, and they'll start rolling. Like they, There's yep. just no resistance to them, so you can really feather things, which I've been looking for. You can do really – Smart, detailed rolling, but it's a short nap, so it doesn't hold a whole heck ton of paint. And with scuff wax, man, I put that stuff on thick. I just need to goo it on. So I go back to my three. Not, we use them
2: for oil, they're for Holland. Exactly.
1: So I want to use them. I'm gonna probably this weekend. I'm gonna roll some FPE uh, Hollandac with it and see what that does.
2: Next time we're talking about FPE because we didn't even get to get into FPE yet.
1: Oh yeah, and I've got like questions for you. know so. yeah.
2: We'll get there. Um, you've only been doing this for two years, but I-, I need your biggest horror story, the biggest mistake you did. Did you put latex over over oil in your first year? Give me the most embarrassing moment. I painted the wrong house. Famously, Slavic has done, did the uh, spilled paint on a carpet and put the chair over the top.
1: Okay, so I can't really think of any like super big boogers. There have been plenty of like little things where it's like, come on Miller, be smarter than this. We can do better than this. Um, But there was one that was like, it wasn't a big deal but it was just so freaking stupid. And I'm done doing kitchen cabinets, man. I'm over them, I'm done. This one, a bunch of doors, a couple of them had like wavy glass in the middle of them. And there was one or maybe two doors where I masked one side And I didn't mask the other. And it was not apparent to me when I was spraying because flipping it around, it still looks like it's masked, you know? Like, you still see the tape and you still see it. And there's just a ton of doors, right? And you're just, you're going and you're spraying. So it wasn't until I was pulling the tape where I was like, I just shot that glass. Like, I just shot the glass with paint. Like, there was no masking. Just shot it. But, you know, you pull out your mineral spirits and your little Scotch bright and your whatever, but, you know, they cleaned up like it was fine. Not not really like a horror story, right? No, well, just, that,
2: that's that's pretty good.
1: It was an hour of jacking around, cleaning up glass, just thinking like, I hate cabinets. <laughs> so that's, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Well, you have
2: plenty of time in business to make more. Hopefully, Yeah, oh God, I've got
1: 28 more years to screw something up royally.
2: Yeah. Jason, I, I can't thank you for your time enough. This has been amazing. I think it helped people. It definitely was entertaining. I enjoyed it.
1: I enjoyed it as well. Thank you for the invitation. Happy 100 episodes. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'll see you later. All right, see ya.
2: Jason Paints, MLPS on Instagram. One hell of a follow. This was an awesome 100th episode. I'm really glad he agreed to join me. Um, Again, everybody, I do a close friends on Patreon and a private Q&A. The link is in the bio, or you can go to Patreon, look up ZK Painting. Um, I had quite the day today with close friends on Instagram. I shared some stuff that really got me fired up. I, it's a safe place. It's a safe environment for me to, to share the big mistakes um, and the big wins. So I'm really loving it. Um, I know the people who are following the close friends there are, are excited about it. I, I think we're adding some value there. And uh, yeah, today was one of those days. We had some stuff that I'm, I'm not going to share publicly that I did share through close friends. That was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, that's 100 weeks of doing this. Um, actually, no, it's more than a hundred weeks. Cause I, well, is it, I don't know. I have, we'll have to look back and see when I started doing this. I started it right at the beginning of COVID. So I don't know how many weeks it's been. I was doing three or four a week in the beginning, like a psycho, but I, the Q and a, the private Q and a I do is on Patreon as well. I leave it up to put questions in there throughout the week. So you can, if, if you join Patreon, you download Crowdcast and the you can add questions in there. So Sunday night, I go live at 930 at night and I answer all the questions. I share com- very openly, um, but nothing nearly as openly as I get to share on close friends because Instagram has this amazing feature where you can add people to a list of people called your close friends. And when you make a story, you can post it to just your close friends. So The few, the handful of people who follow my close friends, I get to share things that I would never share publicly because they're just not professional for a business to be sharing. This is not a professional business thing. It's for contractors only. So clients, if you're trying to get in on that, I'm sorry, but we're not letting clients find out what's happening behind the scenes. Um, It's a really, really fun place. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. Patreon is a tremendous spot. Uh, If you want to support me and what I'm doing here, because honestly, I have to assess why am I continuing to do this show? Uh, It takes up a lot of my time, doesn't make me any money, um, and I have to justify to myself why am I doing this. So is this podcast, this podcast is brought to you by ZK's Close Friends. If you want to support me and what I'm doing here and all the time I give, Patreon is the place to do that. I would really appreciate it if you went over there and you joined. Uh, the link is in my bio. I can't believe I made it 100 episodes. I, I, I really didn't want to start this thing and not, like, follow through on it. I followed through to 100 episodes. Um, I enjoyed myself immensely today. But I had to structure my entire day around getting to my shop for 7 p.m. Uh, That means not my wife is in Boston at our apartment in Boston. That means I'm going to go home tonight to our house in Providence by myself. Um, There's a lot of sacrifices that are coming with doing this show. I'm not certain I'm going to continue to do it. It's it's I have some soul searching to do um, talking with my wife and and figuring out how how can I make this thing sustainable. So Patreon is one way that you can support me and and make me want to keep doing this. Or at least I'm, I know I'm not stopping Patreon because I have some dedicated people there who have given their hard-earned money to me in support of what I'm doing here. I, and I cannot thank you enough. It's insanely humbling that anybody wants to hear from me at all. Um, like Jason Paris says, I am a humble painter. I was at Fine Paints of Europe certification this weekend, and it was a surreal experience because five years ago I was dead broke and and just young and hungry and wanted to do better work. And I've met the people in the Fine Paints of Europe community. They shared with me, they shared with me what they were doing. It inspired me. I started down this path. Five years later, I, I think I can help some people and add some value to somebody's life. Um, K2 Paint, shout out to K2 Paint. He's one of the close friends, a big supporter of what I do here. I, I really appreciate it, but I do have to... I. I don't know what I'm gonna do with this show going forward um i I knew I would make it to a hundred episodes um I'm open to hear from people what they think maybe I just take this whole show onto to patreon I don't really know um but it's i've obviously I've dedicated mo i say we we average over two hours a show so that's two hundred hours at least um and you know it's, it's a big time commitment and my time is becoming more and more valuable as I grow this company and more people. Are res- I'm responsible for more people. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I love it when I'm doing it in the moment for these two hours, I get to connect with another passionate craftsperson and nerd out about what we love and do. That's tremendous. But structuring my entire day and my entire week around being here in the evening for two hours, um, it's a lot. And, so, you know, feeling good, it, that's nice to feel good about it. But at some point, um, I'm not sure. You, Frost Enterprises said, I just started watching a few weeks ago. I wish I had started episode on episode one. You can view every episode is on IGTV. That is, I love Instagram for so many reasons. One of those reasons is they, they store all my stuff for me for free. And so you can go back all the way to the first episode. It's gonna be very cringeworthy. I assure you. I was an excitable boy. I got a camera out and I just started talking. And I had—I think I was like sweaty and out of breath because I had just hung the sign behind me that I was in front of. And then you learn everything is backwards because you're doing this into the front of the camera. Eventually, we had a sign on the wall over here that was reversed uh, to have ZK back there. We've now put a TV up there instead. So I've lost that. I have this Bootleg. I mean, if you look behind me, this kills me every single time, but I don't care so much about all of that stuff. Obviously. The only reason I started this is because I didn't hold a high bar for what I was doing. Um, I'd like to think that I got better at interviewing people as I've done this. Um, I'd like to think I'm going to continue to do this. I just need to figure out how I'm going to continue to do this. Um, that makes sense for my life, my family, um, and my business. And I, I'm open to feedback. If you guys want to send me DMs about what your take is on this, if it's added value, I'd love to hear it. Um, But I, you know, I made it to where I said I was going to make it. And now I need to figure out what the heck am I doing next? Um, Because I love doing this show, but I don't know. Um, But yeah, I'm over it. I got over it. How funny was Pierre Finkelstein and I both had printers in the background? while we did this our show i i I didn't get a chance to interject that but i was dying that yeah obviously i'm not spending a lot of time on my background um that's that is i mean god that is rough um but it is what it is and i think i'd like to think we put out some pretty good content over this period of time um i just need to find a way to justify doing it further and i i don't know i i I was going to put this out to the community because i what I have found is if I took on sponsors, I think that more pe- people say they like to support people. But at the end of the day, um, the model of sponsorship driven content is what's predominant, right? I've been doing Patreon for a while. My Patreon following is exactly the same, it's pretty much the same size as it was after the first month. I love my people who are on Patreon. Thank you so much. I'm in- internally great eternally not internally grateful for people putting up their hard-earned money to support me but I was hopeful that it would grow and continue to grow and more people would see value and 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 putting their money there I I now see why so many of these conferences and these shows do the ad-based revenue model because people are much more likely to just give their attention to ads we don't do ads on the show Obviously you guys have noticed that I'm never stopping to do ads for things. I've not, I didn't want to do ads. I want my idealist part of me wanted to just think that I could put out great content, add value and people would want to support that through Patreon. And there are people that have done that, but I think people would say that that's how they are, are wired. But more likely, I think people it's more likely for people who to want to sit through ads and have the revenue come that way. And, that that hurts my heart a little bit i wish it was different i don't like sitting through ads on shows but i know that they're all doing those shows for free with ads because that makes them more money than doing shows on patreon um i don't know why i'm sh- i'm sharing all this stuff because I, I don't know if i'm gonna keep t- I, don't, I don't know it's out there now whatever um you know i love this a lot it's a lot of fun but it's it's it takes a lot of work and i don't have anybody scheduled for next week and for me to schedule the next six weeks of, of guests is a whole bunch of time, energy, effort, asking people, trying to schedule people, you know, at, taking time away from people, and, you know, I don't know. It is what it is. But thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm pro- I'm there's probably not going to be a show next week. I'm going to take some time to figure out what am I going to do here, and if this thing continues, because it's cool to have a show, but it's not that cool. It's it's You know, it's taken up a lot of my time that my company could use if it's not going to generate revenue for the company. So that's the that's the brutal truth of all of this. I, you know, when I had all the time in the world, when I started this, I was doing three episodes a week because it was COVID. And now I maybe I'll do one episode a month. Maybe that's the maybe that's what I'll end up doing. But I really appreciate you guys watching. You can always listen to all the old episodes on IGTV. You can listen to the old episodes if you do a combination of two things, because I was paying an intern to take these, turn them into an audio file and put them onto the podcast platforms. Uh, That intern has gone back to school. I'm no longer paying for that. So I think if you go to ZK live on all the podcast, podcast platforms, it stops at about 70 episodes ish. And it's the rest of those episodes are on the PCA. Um, paint ed podcast um rss feed so if you want you can listen to everyone in audio form by starting with zk live on podcasts when you run out of episodes the rest of those episodes are going to be at pca paint ed podcast um i hope i added value to people and we'll see where this thing ends up stay tuned